Microphone. So the war is won. And many people are like, then why? Well, I guess you still can't see it, and that's fine. But I do, I do find a problem when there's lack of public discourse and accountability. Now, many people will say that we uh, don't have news, but we are the news. Every single one of you that tune in to me every day are the news and you just don't see it yet. And it's been like that for a while. I'm going to say this again and I want you to let this percolate for a second. Freedom is not your right. You don't have a right to be a free citizen. Innately. You have innate personal freedom. But freedom only belongs to those that are willing to fight for it. Not people that sit on the sidelines. Not people that are like, oh, so we have to send something to do it. Are you waiting for a savior? I think you need to pop over to Venezuela. That's where they get saviors. We need to earn our right to govern ourselves. So when I hear people saying, so we need to do something and send an email to AG, yes, you do. Do you self-govern yourself? Do you expect him to just do it for you? He's just going to own initiative, do it for you. I want to build a house. I'm going to sit there. Well, I have to work for the money, right? I got to pay someone who's going to do it for me. Or I can get a shovel, watch a shit ton of YouTube videos, work really hard to buy that land, and then build that house. Nothing comes easy. Nothing ever comes easy. And that's because... When you come to life here, you're already sinning. You come with, you know, sin. And it's your job to work that off. I mean, in the United States, when you take your first breath, you also inherit over $80,000 in debt. It's, um, it's not nice, but it's true. Now, freedom can be defined in many ways. Freedom of speech is defined in many ways. People think sitting on a soapbox is freedom of speech. Yeah, that's one of it. Another one is to be able to read, listen, and hear whatever we want. Another one is to be able to redress our grievances and to be able to have public discourse, you know, discussions. Remember, the law says that public platforms can't silence our representatives to talk to us. The law also says that we are able to have conversations with those that we elect, that we should have communication with them, and it's illegal if they say no. Well, that works for everyone except for the Biden administration. Because while everyone is sitting there saying, well, you know, nobody's watching them. Yeah, they're not. And, and the great thing is, is that real patriots know, hey, don't watch it yourself. We'll watch it together. You know, that way they only see one person and that's it. Right? Just one person and that's it. But here's where the problem is. Public discourse 
is necessary, very necessary for people to feel that they are governing, right? And see, the slightest thing that no one pays attention to is that you are not allowed to engage in public discourse. I shared in my Telegram channel an email that I got from the local school board saying, we're going to have, you know, a meeting and it's going to be broadcast on YouTube, but we're disabling comments because of COVID. And it's like, I'm sorry, excuse me? So I sent a nice email saying, I'm a little bit confused. Why are you disabling comments? I have the right to have a discussion and ask questions. Why are you disabling comments? Is, are you going to catch COVID because I comment? Can you not read because of COVID? I'm still waiting for a response, by the way, on that. So what I'm going to do is resend it from all my emails, uh, just in case they'll be like, oh, it went into spam. You Into spam from all the emails? I don't know. So I'm going to copy and paste that today and send it through all my emails. But how does it feel when the president, supposedly, supposed president of the United States doesn't allow for public discourse? doesn't want comments on their websites. Public discourse is very important for our nation and for any nation that declares is a free nation. It's very important. Here's why. I think it's important for students to engage in dialogue. Can you guys hear me now? Can you hear me? Screen is off. Okay, so now you can hear me. All right, let's uh, redo that. That was, I guess they don't want us talking about this. <laughs> so I'll start this over again, okay? That was really weird. Because I was hearing everything, so uh, if I wasn't watching the chat, I would never know that there was a problem. That was really bizarre. Yeah, someone's really messing with my feed. All right. Let's do this, too. I'm going to, can you guys tell me if it works? Happen. Oops, there we go. All right. So, you guys can hear me now. All right, perfect. So let me start this over again. This is from six years ago where they're talking about the importance of public discourse, which is very important. I think it's important for students to engage in dialogue about current issues because as cheesy as it sounds, we really are the future and we're the people being charged with the task of making sure that these issues aren't just swept under the rug and forgotten about, but we actually have these conversations face to face so we can fix issues and not just forget about them. So I think here at WSU, um, we have a lot of different cultures and um, a lot of different beliefs um, among our student population. And to be able to have these events where um, students can engage in dialogue will better the campus as a whole um, because students will be more knowledgeable about global issues and even local issues about what's actually going on um, in their community and around the world. 
I think it's important because in a college atmosphere, you come across a lot of people with very different opinions than yours. So it's always good to hear all sides of a certain issue. Um, whether or not you agree with it, you are able to grow as a person um, and become more knowledgeable on the issue in a safe environment. Um, I just feel like that it's important for students uh, to get together face to face and have these uh, important conversations on current issues. Um, when we look at uh, government agencies, uh, when we look at uh, corporate companies, um, they realize the importance of coming together to solve um, problems within wow. work or within government. Delusion. UN resolutions. Uh, they're not Facebooking each other uh, messages. Um, they're coming together in dialogue. Um, and there's an important aspect of face-to-face -face, uh, dialogue uh, that I feel that needs to take place on college campuses. So this is from six years ago, and they talk about companies knowing how important it is, my ass. All right, so let's just, let's just uh, whatever. I want to show you something. Because for me, this concerns me a lot. And this is why these media companies can do whatever they want. If you go, oops, wrong one, hold on. Wrong one, I wanted to show it to you. There we go. It is that one. So as you could see, this is, uh, um, hold on. The, this is the official White House page. Official, right? This is the official channel of the White House, right? This is this is supposedly the official channel of the White House. Now, the official channel of the White House is streaming live right now. Let me just mute it because Jake Sullivan, are you freaking kidding me? I'm not even gonna. So everyone's waiting for Chucky to come out with this clown. But look at this. Comments are turned off. Obviously, nobody likes it, right? Only a thousand people are watching, but the comments are turned off. You are not allowed on anything on this page to comment. You were not allowed to comment during the address. Uh, you are not allowed to comment at all. Please take a look at the, the variations here in the likes and dislikes. You are not allowed to comment. That is violating our right to public discourse and to use that platform to have discussions with each other. Pay attention. If your White House is allowed to shut you up and not let you post, not let you have discussions in chat rooms, right? Then why would a social media company or any company give a shit about your right to access public platforms to have a conversation? Why? Why would they? Why would they even bother to entertain you when president, apparently president, right? The so-called president of the United States says, you're not allowed to have a conversation on my official channels because I don't want to hear from you. This is what this is telling you. No one's talking about that. They all mock it and they're like, oh, look at the likes, dislikes. Of course, all Americans know that this was not an election. It was a selection. All Americans question the legitimacy of this administration. All Americans, and that includes the left, that is losing their mind 
They have supposedly a president that has been selected and placed in the White House that doesn't talk to the people, that isn't available for conversation. They're using all video and crap. Well, during COVID, when it was really peaking high, President Trump was there almost every day. He would give briefings every day. He would talk every day. And he wouldn't circle back on shit. They would have the answers. So the question to you is, why are they silencing you? If your White House is able to silence you and tell you, I don't want to hear you, so can everybody else. You see, leadership is quite important. When you lead, you have to set an example. Now, leaders are also human and they make mistakes and, uh, you know, they can act in their own capacity. But this is just ridiculous. This is giving a free pass to anybody, anybody to say, well, the president doesn't force you, uh, you know, that doesn't have to be subjected to your conversations and your comments. They shouldn't have to. What do you mean they shouldn't have to? We're in charge, not them. Dictators tell you to shut up. Dictators tell you you're not allowed to have discussions in my area platform. Dictators just want to talk and they don't care what you have to say. This is the most absent administration causing damage, right? Gas is up. Taxes are up. Healthcare is up. Your kids aren't learning. They're all stupid, right? They're violating your basic rights. I mean, they declared war yesterday, and we're going to go over that. They declared war yesterday. But I want you to understand how the mainstream media, both right and left, are responsible for all of this, right? They're responsible for this. I'm going to introduce you to a couple uh, agencies and a company that you may not know of. And they got a crap ton of money, one of these agencies, in this relief bill. And you have to ask yourself, what? I I never heard about that before. So in 2019, well, you know, I want to go to let them introduce themselves to you. How's that? Before I show you how China has the reins in our social media and media globally, I'll show you. So give me a second. Let me, let me allow them to introduce themselves to you. They'll tell you, here's what we do. Hold on. Let me get that. Um, who we are. There we go. Let's listen to who they are. I mean, they're getting a lot of our taxpayer dollars. You probably never even heard of them, the USAGM. Journalism because I wanted to meet people and tell their stories. It's important that I succeed because in order to accomplish the mission, everyone has to know what's going on. As project managers, we support the fine work that our journalists do to bring news and information to our global audiences. You know, I'm well aware that there are tremendous consequences uh, for our reporting, that people are hanging on every word. I am proud of the fact that we maintain high standards of journalism. If you miss only one side of the story, then the story is not complete and you lose credibility. I like doing it because I understand how important it is for our audience that we are in the know. Sports allow me to report on inspirational stories that sometimes surprise even me. I'm from China, and as you all know, there's a country where there's no Facebook, no YouTube, no Google, and uh, you will never find any information sensitive to the government on the Internet or anywhere else. 
I believe that we really fill in this demand for quality independent journalism. And I'm really proud of the fact that what we do here not only informs our audience, but also educates and inspires them. I report on all U.S. defense and national security policies regarding the situation in the Middle East. Our responsibility is to make sure that all of the work of the five broadcast entities, whether it's somebody running down a story with a lead, anything at all that lands on our floor, it's our job to make sure it's all packaged up, wrapped up pretty, and sent out to our global audience. As an Al-Hurra journalist, I am dedicated to covering stories related to human rights, freedom of expression, and most importantly, to giving a voice to the voiceless by hosting activists not seen on other Arabic language networks. Free media contributes to good governance. We live in a world where free, free flow of information is so important. And to know that we are transmitting that information to an idol where its people are only being informed by the official line. There is no objectivity. There is no uh, discussion. It's just one, 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 something that is said from the government, that's it. And we are the alternative, and we have been the alternative for more than three decades. We have to do it. We have to tell the whole story. Our audience demands it, and the news demands it. You have to see what I see on this story, and that's what I want to tell you. Dari Washington, D.C., saya Patsy Widakuswara, dan tim This is who we are, and that's what we do. Ever heard of the U.S. Agency for Global Media? Wait, let me introduce you to a few things they do. <laughs> so here's some reporting they did, which is quite interesting. You'll be like, wait a minute. So they're admitting of fake news? Oh, yes, they are. And um, this is, this is, this is your reality, your constructed reality. This is from September 4th, 2020. Now, when I've been saying that we need to get rid of a few agencies, this is one of them. And when I've said the State Department is worse than the agency, <laughs> you got to listen. Why? Because most of the people that I work with were State Department. Жлобине поддержать якобы бастующих людей на БМЗ приехала Мария Колесникова. И вот что получилось, когда она встретила не свою массовку, а настоящих рабочих. Они укрепляют обороноспособность и экономику страны. Здравствуйте, товарищи! Я начальник Гоминского гарнизона, полковник Кривоносов Андрей Владимирович. Посмотрите, сколько людей с одной стороны, да, на стороне Гольского военкома, и сколько людей за моей спиной, которые пришли поддержать Марию Колесникову и друг друга. Марии! 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 
Именно этого и добивается власть. Она добивается, чтобы мы друг друга ненавидели. Пожалуйста, соблюдаем спокойствие и уважаем мнение всех членов белорусского общества. Okay, guys. So basically, they were showing you how. For those of you that I'm gonna turn this off. So basically, they were showing you how they were fake reporting, how they were saying, I love you, and then they were saying, I hate you, and how her handler that was next to her in the red shirt was agitating them so they can change it, right? Uh, this is classic, you know, this is a classic PSYOP, all right? Uh, and this is perpetuated all over the world, okay? Uh, the shots you heard were from them showing fake opposition, I mean, I could tell you about our National Guard pretending to be Ukrainian, half of them pretending to be Ukrainian and half of them pretending to be Russian and fighting. So that way people can start to get together and start fighting so they can aggravate because then the Russian, the pro-Russian Ukrainian saw the pro-Russian, the so-called pro-Russian Ukrainian fighting the Ukrainians that were pro-EU. And then the Ukrainians that were pro-EU were upset that the pro-Russians We're fighting, so then everybody just got into it. And, you know, that was Obama's little little trick. See, the role of social media is huge. Now, I want you to see how their employees, uh, how the U.S. Agency for Global Media, I want you to pay attention before we get into who runs the place, who's Chinese, by the way. Uh, yeah, according to uh, the selected administration, He has now put a Chinese official in charge of all those American dollars. And here are some of the employees that are talking about their work. I want you to listen to them and listen to who gets to say what's okay on social media, according to the U.S. government, uh, the U.S. Agency of Global Media. Hawthorne, I'm a presidential management fellow in the Office of New Media and I'm in charge of social media strategies. My job entails helping the different VOA language services um, come up with ways to use sites like Facebook and Twitter to engage their audiences and generate content. Uh, my name is Wei Lin, and for the last four years, I have been the English editor for China Branch English teaching programs. My name is Jessica Stahl, and I'm a social media coordinator and web producer for VOA English Broadcasting. The Student Union blog is a blog about international student life in the U.S. It's targeted towards uh, students who are thinking about coming to the U.S. to study and students who are already here. It's written by actual international students who are here in the U.S. about their experiences and what they're going through as they adjust to their new life. Well, we decided to utilize the social media website as another channel to reach our audience. And... Uh, Because Facebook and Twitter are blocked in China, um, we choose Sina.com.cn. Uh, That's the Chinese uh, equivalent of Twitter. Social media allows people from all walks of life to contribute content and have their voices heard by journalists. We've had a lot of people uh, commenting on the blog, a lot of people joining our Facebook page. Um, asking questions, sharing their own experiences. We do English teaching as a way to um, help people improve their 
language skills. We also introduce、uh, our listeners to American lifestyle, to American values, to American, you know, the way of thinking and way of life. So hopefully that will benefit、uh, the understandings between people and cultures. Well then, isn't it just dandy that we have a bunch of liberals running the place? Wait. You're going to see all of them. I'm going to show them to you. And those of you that aren't、um, watching, I'll, I'll I'll make it clear to you. Now, they were all up in arms when President Trump put in an internet censorship bill. This is how they pushed it. I want you guys to pay attention to what this controversial film and publication amendment he did. They called it an internet censorship bill. Want you to pay attention to exactly what it is that he signed in. It's quite interesting, and you can see what side they really sit on. Making the time to come、oh, and speak to us, yeah. The opponents of this bill, as you have already heard me say, they terming it the internet censorship bill. Why is it courting controversy? So I think before we get into that, it's it's worth just discussing what the intention of the amendment bill is. So we need to. The original Films and Publications Act was designed to regulate on、uh, content that we view and to mostly protect prohibited content, classified content that's perhaps age restricted or violent in any way. And the Amendment Bill, which was first introduced into the NA as far back as 2015, was the, the real intention was there to accommodate how we now publish content on the internet. It didn't account for Uploading content onto social media and the various different ways we, you know, publish content digitally now. But I think one of the biggest criticisms of the bill is, in terms of the act, and this classify content before you published it. So it had to be classified in terms of its age, whether it's violent content. So, but that was easy when it was just pertaining to videos. You know, they had to, they would go to the forms of publication board before you could. Put video to market or distribute it in any kind of commercial way, but now we've the way that we、um, publish our content has changed so dramatically. So this requirement of pre-classification is not necessarily that practical well, when it comes to online、that. content. What is so different now? Well, we need to look at the way we communicate now and the way we publish content now. So, for example, when I upload a video onto social media, Facebook. It, does that need to be pre-classified? The way that the the act now has defined film actually includes our own video content on social media. It's very the, the drafting. One of the biggest criticisms of the bill is that there are a lot of ambiguities in the drafting. A lot of the definitions are extremely vague. Another big criticism it has is the live streaming component. So a lot of content we view now is live streamed. Well, you can't predict. How do you classify、yeah. live stream content because you're creating it as you publish it? Does that mean it's illegal in terms of the bill? These are some of the questions that critics have really grappled with. So what exactly is being encouraged here?、Um, Self censorship. If, for example, I'm going to make a video before I post it online, I need to know exactly or familiarize myself with the rules that if I do this. Uh, if I post this video and in its current form, perhaps it might offend another person. Well, I think the underlying intention is absolutely a greater awareness of of the nature of content before it's published. I think one of the benefits, one of one of the good aspects of the bill, some of the new introductions we've seen,、um, is certainly the revenge pornography provision. 
um, it now in terms of the Bill Now Act, um, any intentional distribution of private content without the consent of the person depicted in the content is actually a criminal offence. That provision, too, has some flaws in terms of the way it's drafted, but certainly in terms of some of the benefits or the new provisions that we were, didn't see previously in the original Act, that's certainly something positive. Child pornography, for example, as well. Absolutely. That's something that's, uh, that's uh, getting a mention, and some people sitting at home listening to you and I will probably ask the question, so what's so bad about regulating the distribution of uh, child porn, revenge porn, as you've just mentioned? Uh, what is wrong with that? The intention is absolutely applauded and very much necessary. I mean, we, we see in our office daily a proliferation of revenge pornography cases, child pornography cases. It's absolutely on the rise. So absolutely regulating it and making it a criminal offence is totally necessary and very welcome. Our concern is the way the Act now is drafted. So there are, as I said before, as with a lot of the Act, there are a lot of ambiguities. So one of them, for example, is the definition of what exactly is private content. The final, the final wording of private, as it's defined in the Act, is that it's not intended to be viewed by others. But does that mean if I send one person who I'm in a relationship with a private video when I'm in a relationship, I intended him to see it, but he, we then end the relationship and he distributes it, would that not fall under the Act? Would I not be able to rely on the Act then? Um, to institute criminal proceedings if he distributes it. These are some of the questions we're asking with the way the Act is currently, well, is drafted finally. And a lot of people who were involved in making submissions around the Act, I know Emma from our office made a number of submissions to Parliament, as did many people, were hoping that the final wording would be, um, would not have as many ambiguities. But unfortunately, this is the version that was signed off. I foresee a challenge. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We uh, thank need you to very listen much. to uh, that uh, again. My office made a number of submissions to Parliament, as did many people. were hoping that the final wording would be um, would not have as many ambiguities, but unfortunately, this is the version that was signed off. Hmm. Back then, um, to institute criminal proceedings if he distributes it. These are some of the questions we're asking with the way the Act is currently, well, is drafted finally. And a lot of people who were involved in making submissions around the Act, I know Emma from our office made a number of submissions to Parliament, as did many people, were hoping that the final wording would be, um, would not have as many ambiguities. But unfortunately, this is the version that was signed off. So let me tell you something. These are the only people that had the balls to talk about their country's stipulations. Same thing President Trump put in his. Nobody talked about it. How he was, you know, after he went after Backpage, he made that amendment. And that made everyone livid, but nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about how he made it a crime to distribute things like this. Yet they had the cojones to come out on TV and say, you know, this was being emulated. That was the news back then that they were emulating what President Trump was doing. And it's a dictatorship to, you know, set standards on what you were allowed to share and what you're not allowed to share. But here's the thing. The left here took it to another level. All right. You want to ban por child pornography? You want to ban revenge porn? So now what we're going to do is we're not going to allow people to live stream anymore because we said so. We're not going to allow people to have access to people's content because we said so. 
but you're supposed to be a platform of public discourse. You're not supposed to discriminate. Well, we decide. It's our platform. We do what we want. Okay. Then we'll have an alternative platform. You get an alternative platform, they destroy you. They make sure you don't have access to apps. They, why? Because they monopolize it. This is the foundation of any socialist or communist government is monopolies. And they've been doing that. And I warned about it years ago. And everyone who was so busy with stupid shit, rather than focusing on stuff, that they were distracted with the rubbish that was going on. Oh, this is a hoax. Oh, this is this. Oh, this witch hunt. We knew it was a witch hunt. You should have been digging up how the Canadians were paper shredding, not talking about this person and that person. You should have been digging up that Peter Strzok wasn't FBI and he was agency. You should have been digging up the spies that the president was finding everywhere. You should have been digging. You should have been doing your job. But as you will see, our agencies, both global and domestic, are run by people that are not, I guess, American. Here is the page for the U.S. Agency of Global Media. Okay, U.S. Agency of Global Media. This is their webpage. Now we're going to go through it together. As you see on the front page, they have who we are, our work, entities, news, work with us, right? And you see their headlines, Kremlin's increasing aggression against RFERL, unacceptable. Repression in Belarus. U.S. AGM networks explain vaccine diplomacy. Burma coup, right? Now it's a coup. <laughs> coup, coup, coup. COVID-19 global reality check from China, South Africa, and Cuba. So these are their front lines. Well, let's just see who these people are. I mean, shit. Let's look. Oh, who are we? Let's see. Let's go to, is it doing it? Yeah, it's doing it. Oh, here they are. Look, they're everywhere on all digital platforms. The United States Agency for Global Media is a network global media agency. The five media organizations that comprise USAGM complement and reinforce one another in a shared mission vital to U.S. national interests to inform, engage, and connect people around the world in support of freedom and democracy. Together, USAGM networks communicate each week with more than 350 more, 54 million people across the globe. Our leadership. Kelu Chow. Our leadership compromises the CEO who leads the agency, senior staff who oversee multimedia broadcasts, as well as technical and administrative support to the broadcasting networks and network leadership Read more about leadership here. Uh, seems like we got Fang Fang in the Bang Bang. The U.S. AGM has got some Fang Fang going on right there. So here she is. Oh, let's look at oh, oh look at the leaders. Voice of America, President, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, Director, Office of Cuba Broadcasting, Radio Free Asia, and Middle East Broadcasting Networks. Yeah, so these, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that super long story. We're not doing that right now. So this is their own .gov page. Now let's go to just a simple Wikipedia of who, uh, you know, Biden supposedly put in charge. Let's take a look. Kelu Chow, who's, you know, heading this whole agency, okay? Chinese, super Chinese, like China, Chinese. Oh, Taiwan, because that's not China. Uh, she went to school in China, studied in China, went to journalism in China, 
And um, she went to Kent State. <laughs> what other clown do we know went to Kent State that pooped themselves? So anyway, so we've got her, right, running, running, running our global media. So, you know, it was funny because Biden wanted PAC to resign, who President Trump appointed, and um, he was going to fire him. So he resigned him and he put this woman up in a time of your Chinese. Why the heck would you put a Chinese person up in office? Maybe we should go see who this child lady is. Check everything. I mean, she is a government employee. We should have a lot on her. I'm just saying to all the damn journalists that are watching, Tori says, looking for content. Here it is. Do your job because I'm going to start showing people who they are. Oh, wait. I just wanted you to know that there was a bill that was passed, right? What was it called? It was called the COVID relief bill, but it wasn't. So here's what the bill had to say about USAGM. Hold on. Am I here? So the US, the USAGM got all this money and they're working together, uh, censorship, blah, blah, blah. But they have to work with the Open Technology Fund. Ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of the Open Technology Fund? Yeah. We need to, we need to see who this Open Technology Fund is, the OTF. They're in that bill. They got a crap ton of money. Let's take a look at the people behind the OTF. Are you ready for this? This is where you need to start pulling your hair out and figure out how are they sending all this money to these agencies and these places, and we don't even know who they are. I mean, you don't even know who's on your school board. I mean, I wouldn't expect most people to know this. But look, first of all, let me try to zoom in so you guys can see better. Open Technology Fund kind of looks like a UN symbol. But here we go. Oh, look at that. Human Rights Watch, Information Security Tech, RFA, mm -hmm. Alex Dunn. They all look like stable individuals. Stable individuals, complete stable individuals. Stable, beyond stable. Super. This is it. This is what you have that, <laughs> that decides... What your policy looks like, all of these people, I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of these idiots have worked for the State Department. 90%. 90%. Here they are. 90%. 90%. State Department. So stable. You're paying for these people to get a salary. To, to, to silence you, to silence you, to silence you, okay? They're the ones that are talking about censorship. They're the ones. I just want you to take a look at them because, you know, they're, they're in charge. They're super in charge. These are all the people super in charge of your millions and millions of dollars, right? To silence you. They look like the ones that get offended all the time. These are all advisory council fellows who speak dozens of languages from all over the world and know a lot about internet freedom. Guarantee you, 
If you dig up their profiles, they're telling someone to get banned off of fucking Twitter and Facebook. I did a small check, and there it was. So, you know, not everyone's very smart to keep their mouth shut and have a clean social media. So here's the leftist side, funded by the government, to make you quiet. Well, what if I show you the right? See, one thing I have constantly said is that in order to have real news, the news should not be funded by any private entity. None. None. This is why I don't do sponsors. But, wait, hold on. But, when a, spon- a sponsor actually came to me, and I, and, and I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to be putting it on my radio show, um, you know, when I do live, but I can do it on the podcast. And it was bypassing health insurance so that you can get psychiatric help. Have you guys heard of better help? So I'm going to, I, I was going back and forth with them and I'm going to give them three advertisements. Cause I do believe in that having, uh, struggled with mental health myself when my, uh, life collapsed, uh, it was, and, and then with COVID, nobody wants to see you. And then the only people that will see you will want you to fucking a hundred mask, right. Or social distance. Uh, you know, I think that's good. So I'm just saying, uh, if I, if I can't back something, if I don't, if I don't think that it's a good thing, there's no way I'm going to talk about it. And that's my opinion. Not, Hey, everybody should just listen to me. That's the way it is. But I could never, ever, 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 ever work for an organization, a media company, ever, ever. Why? Because then I have to do, I have to do what they tell me. I have to say what they tell me. They're going to tell me, you can't say this. You can't say that. You're not allowed to talk about this. I mean, Spotify took me off and didn't even give me a reason why when they knocked me off air. They didn't even give me a reason why, but they have every right to, right? They, they, they do, right? Private companies, like even big media companies, right, that have people in TV, social media, and the radio, they tell you what you can say. I mean, I remember when I was at Red State, you know, I was told constantly by Scott Adams, don't don't refer to Q and stuff like that. Don't don't talk about conspiracy theories on my radio station. But obviously, you know, when his radio station tanked after they promised him money for advertising just to cause me harm, he got a bit of money and then they cut it. He suddenly, you know, was like, you know, whatever. I'll just give a Q slot to her slot. Um, People that I'm going to stop. I'm not going to be mean. So um, companies tell you what you're allowed to say. They pay you. They sponsor you, they promote you, they demand you follow their rules. Now, a lot of you think, you know, you've got some beef with Mark Levin that I've been talking about from day one, right? You got some beef with this person from day one. Well, I'm going to show you why. I, and, and, and it's not because I told Mark Levin he's a shell and that he's going to start praising President Trump, you know, when he wins and that he's going to jump ship once he loses. And all he's going to do is try to sell books. Right? It's not because of that. It's not because I like Dan Bongino, but he kept his mouth shut when he knew everything there is to know about psyops. And I said, don't take that Mercer dollar because you're putting it all in parlor. No one's going to listen. You guys are asking for IDs. It's going to tank. Look, it's because they're owned. And how do you know they're owned? Well, let me show you. Let me show you how your media 
even your right-wing media, that you listen to. Every time you click and listen to them, they can still get paid. And they're doing their job. And they're saying what they're allowed to say. So let's look at this company. This is a company that does podcasts and programming and stuff like that, right? You see them. Great company. They support Mark Levin, a bunch of other people. Look, it's part of Cumulus Media. Oh, so wait a minute. So Westwood One is one aspect of Cumulus Media, right? So let's just look at careers. Here's the jobs that they're offering. This is now going to Cumulus Media. These people pay Mark Levin, pay Dan Bongino. They sponsor them. They go. They 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 do this, right? So now what you have to do is see who owns this, which is your right wing news. So look at this. Let me just show you what kind of jobs, you know, they have. They need a sports producer in New York. They need an afternoon drive on air host, Alice 107 in Little Rock, Arkansas. They'll pay you. They pay really good money. It's a job. They pay. So who has this? I mean, they do a lot of the right-wing stuff. See, if you break it down, right, everyone's owned by someone. I mean, even your independent journals that got canned off of YouTube, now are owned by someone else too. I think Millie and I were talking about it a while back, where we're like, the only way that we can get real news is if, and I've, and, and I've said this many times, is if it's funded just by the people. You don't like what someone has to say, you don't pay. You like what someone has to pay, say, then you pay. And you turn everything else off. You support what you believe is giving you straight out what you need to know. That's how you win. That is how you win. All your media, every single facet, even these newly built things, are all backed by someone, right? Gab, for example, isn't backed by anyone except for the people. That's that's pretty cool, okay? Because you know, you know that the minute Gab starts to silence, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you remember how Alex Jones told you guys, ban video, I won't ban anyone. He banned Millie Weaver, remember that? Do you remember that? All right. But then there's still people that listen to Alex Jones, right? Okay. And then I sat here and said, I wouldn't go to Parler. I mean, they asked for all this ID update and they won't, you know, verify my account unless I provide all this other extra stuff. Seems like a data mine. Boy, was I right. Boy, was I right. I mean, I already knew. That's why I was always on Gab. Always sitting there. Always there. Because I knew. These are things that you can see a mile coming. Like Ebola, you know, any scientist that understands how vaccines work could see that shit coming from a mile away. And it's not the crazy Ebola, right? Remember, we talked about Ebola. There's six strains. There's two of them that aren't that. They won't kill you. You'll get sick, but they won't kill you. But, but if you've gotten a vaccine that increases your lipids in your cells and you can't break them down, you start to feel... Foggy, you can't think straight because you got too much fat in your cells and the vaccine is not letting you break it down. And that's exactly what Ebola needs to fester. Even the non-crazy virulent ones. 
Therefore, anyone who gets a vaccine can die from that version of Ebola. And I think it was called, um, shoot, something. It came from the monkeys. Which monkeys was it that they brought over in 1984? I'm trying to access that memory. 1984 came in here. That was the first Ebola outbreak we had. Nobody heard about it. They cleaned it up, used formaldehyde ice crystals to formaldehyde crystals to quarantine the place. People got sick. They found rest in monkeys. There we go. So it's, this is how I think just so you, just so you guys know, that's my train of thought to recall. So the rest in monkey, um, uh, Ebola virus, it was the first outbreak of Ebola, um, within the United States back in 1984. So when you get this vaccine, which hinders your ability to process lipids, you create the most ultimate fester ground for rest and monkey, Ebola, which isn't deadly, right? Unless, unless you can't process lipids. So that's the thing. You could see that coming from a mile away. It's like a train wreck and you're just like, oh, shoot. And that's if you're a scientist and you know how these things work. You stand there. Well, if you could do those connections, right? You got <laughs> you got to know all the junk for the brain that other people would call that I have, you know, as knowledge and say, okay, you had to know all those things, right? To know that it was coming, right? Because you have to have a lot of different knowledge that seems irrelevant, but then when you put it in con, you know, in the right frame, it is. So here you are seeing this train wreck coming. Now, for me, I already knew it because for me, it's history. I, I say it again. It's history. Already seen, done, dusted. It's history. And in history, I also see that this is over because the people actually take back their nation. The problem, though, with such a reality to manifest, right, because damn, they're playing up a lot of things, is that you actually do something. You don't just sit there and listen to these people. They're like, yeah, let me show you what Q said. No. Q said it. It's words with periods and dots, period. Stop making fake connections. Stop it. It's not resist. It's resting. Stop making fake connections. Stop trying to make your theories work. It's plain English. Nobody needs an interpreter for English. Now, some things are coded, but looking back, it makes all sense. So again, why are people listening to people that are revisiting things and then making up new? I mean, you have to hold them accountable, right? How do you hold them accountable? By not watching them. By not watching them. Okay? Because then it just makes you dumber. I see so many comments in the Telegram channel, and I'm like, how do I address that when I have people tell me why am I going to tell you? So I'm going to tell everyone exactly everything that's happening so they can mitigate it. The only time I'll say something is if I want them to try to mitigate something. See today it's time's up for the secretary of state in Ohio at 5 PM It's done. Finished. He wants to drag it. I'm game on. I didn't want it. I wanted to make it faster, but he wants me to pull teeth now. This is what they do. People need to stop having faith in average people, right? Because everyone's average. Even those in office are average, out of office, 
with crowns, no crowns. They're just humans. And have faith in God. Listen to your inner voice. That's how you communicate with God. That's how he communicates with you. When you're in danger, you suddenly get this feeling in your stomach and you're like, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. He's like, yo, warning. I don't want to see you get hurt because you're just not thinking right now and you're not paying attention. Or when you meet that special someone, you get like these butterflies in your stomach. You're like, oh no, this is so awesome. And you're just like, what's that? It's a, it's, it's your inner gut telling you something. Why don't you just follow your gut? Why do you need someone to hold your hand? Why do you need to be spoon fed? And right now, when we have the most momentum to knock it out of the park, you're listening to randos that are bringing in a bunch of people that are prominent in the freedom and the liberation of America that are telling you the same thing. No one's going to save you. You need to start doing some work. You need to start getting out. Well, now they're saying it. The point is, is that they didn't want to demystify. But all these people, these opportunists, have taken you for a ride. I've, I've taken you on a ride of education for three years, giving you all the tools you need to see what's up, to be able to see what is happening. There was so much happening in the background that you have no idea about. Why? Because the people that actually want to fix this country never lost momentum. Momentum is necessary in order to get things done. You lose your momentum, you lose the game. You're done. You're out. You're tapped out. You're finished. And you know what? Actually, I think the president had said that once, right? Hold on. Wow, I just remembered that. While we get our coffee break, let's remind ourselves what President Trump said about momentum. Yeah, he did say. He had a speech about, I mean, we did a whole show about quantum momentum and how important it is, right? But that's it. We need to have momentum. Momentum is how you get things done. This is the only way we get things done by riding that wave. I mean, once the, it's like surfing guys. If the wave is there and you miss to climb, it's over. It's done. There's no going back. You have to wait for the next wave. And the loss of momentum is all these freaking idiots that are telling you, oh, I know what's going on. Look at me. It's like, dude, quality of following is more than quantity. People just stalk you because you're pretentious or because you think you know what you're doing. People turn them off. Turn them off. Stop listening to people that are agitating you, right? You want fear porn? Go ahead. That's how you lose your momentum. You should never lose your momentum. Ever. Ever. Because if you do, when, well, you know, I mean, that's on you. Nobody else. That's totally on you. So I think I found my president's speech on momentum. Here we go. Take a listen. To be successful, and you people are well on the road to success, you have to find out what makes you excited, what makes you want to get up each morning and go to work. You have to find it. If you love what you do and dedicate yourself to your work, then you will gain momentum. But look, you have to. You need the word momentum. You will gain that momentum. And each success will create another success. The word momentum. 
I'll tell you a story that's very interesting for me. When I was young, there was a man named William Levitt, Levittown. You have some here, you have some in different states. Anybody ever hear of Levittown? And he was a very successful man. Became unbelievable. He was a home builder. Became an unbelievable success. And got more and more successful. And he built homes. And at night, he'd go to these major sites with teams of people. And he'd scour the sites for nails and sawdust and small pieces of wood. And they cleaned the site. So when the workers came in the next morning, the sites would be spotless and clean. And he did it properly. And he did this for 20 years. And then he was offered a lot of money for his company. And he sold his company for a tremendous amount of money. At the time especially. This is a long time ago. He sold his company for a tremendous amount of money. And he went out and bought a big yacht. And he had a very interesting life. I won't go any more than that because you're Boy Scouts. I'm not going to tell you what he did. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? Oh, you're Boy Scouts, but you know life. You know life. So, look at you. Who would think this is the Boy Scouts, right? So he had a very, very interesting life. And the company that bought his company was a big conglomerate. And they didn't know anything about building homes. And they didn't know anything about picking up the nails and the sawdust and selling it and the scraps of wood. This was a big conglomerate based in New York City. And after about a 10-year period, they were losing a lot with it. It didn't mean anything to them. And they couldn't sell it. So they called William Levitt up. And they said, would you like to buy back your company? And he said, yes, I would. He so badly wanted He got bored with this life of yachts and sailing and all of the things he did in the south of France and other places. You won't get bored, right? You know, truthfully, your workers, you'll get bored too, believe me. Of course, having a few good years like that isn't so bad. But what happened is he bought back his company and he bought back a lot of empty land. And he worked hard on getting it zoning and he worked hard on starting to develop. And in the end, he failed and he failed badly. He lost all of his money. He went personally bankrupt. And he was now much older. And I saw him at a cocktail party. It was very sad because the hottest people in New York were at this party. It was the party of Steve Ross. Steve Ross, who was one of the great people he came up and discovered really founded Time Warner and he was a great guy he had a lot of successful people at the party and I was doing well so I got invited to the party I was very young and I go in but I'm in the real estate business and I see a hundred people some of whom I recognize and they're big in the entertainment business and I see sitting in the corner was a little old man who was all by himself nobody was talking to him I immediately recognized that that man was the once great William Levitt of Levittown. And I immediately went over. I wanted to talk to him more than the Hollywood show business communications people. So I went over and talked to him. And I said, Mr. Levitt, I'm Donald Trump. He said, I know. I said, Mr. Levitt, how are you doing? 
does not well, not well at all. And I knew that, but he said not well at all. And he explained what was happening and how bad it's been and how hard it's been. And I said, what exactly happened? Why did this happen to you? You're one of the greats ever in our industry. Why did this happen to you? And he said, Donald, I lost my momentum. I lost my momentum. A word you never hear when you're talking about success. When some of these guys that never made 10 cents, they're on television giving you things about how you're going to be successful. And the only thing they ever did was a book and a tape. But I tell you, I'll tell you, it was very sad. And I never forgot that moment. And I thought about it. And it's exactly true. He lost his momentum, meaning he took this period of time off long years. And then when he got back, he didn't have that same momentum. In life, I always tell this to people, you have to know whether or not you continue to have the momentum. And if you don't have it, that's okay. Because you're going to go off and you're going to learn and you're going to do things that are great. But you have to know about the word momentum. But the big thing, never quit. Never give up. Do something you love. When you do something you love, as a scout, you'll see that you love When you do something that you love, you'll never fail. What you're going to do is give it a shot again and again and again. You're ultimately going to be successful. And remember this, you're not working. Because when you're doing something that you love, like I do, because I love the business, but this is a little bit different. Doing a good job. But when you do something, when you do something that you love, remember this, it's not work. So you'll work 24-7, you're going to work all the time, and at the end of the year, you're not really working, you don't think of it as well. When you're not doing something that you like, or when you're forced to do something that you really don't like, that's called work, and it's hard and tedious. So as much as you can, do something that you love, work hard, and never, ever give up, and you're going to be tremendously successful. So what did the president say to Boy Scouts? He gave them a lesson that many of us learn in a very old age, which is you should be excited. The music was way too loud, whoever put it together. I know I agree. I agree. I couldn't lower the music uh, and amplify him because it's not mine. It was the video. But what he said was you need to be excited. How are you not excited to take back your nation? How are you not excited to uh, (laughs) grab hold of your economy and see people out on the streets riding their bicycles, watering their, you know, lawns, you know, throwing around a football? How are you not excited to see that? How are you not excited? I don't see how you don't get excited about making your nation amazing. I mean, I'm, I struggle with making time. And I understand people that are passionate about things. You know, uh, for me, it doesn't seem like work, everything that I'm doing. And I'm doing a lot. You know, all of us are. All of us are. 
but I feel like it doesn't feel like work. It feels like something that I have to do because it gets me excited. It's exciting to see people want to be free. It's exciting to see people, you know, understand the power they have over their nation. It's exciting. It makes you whole. How does it not do it for you? Now, for all these journalists and, oh, I'm all pro-America and I'm going to do this. You know, I was so pissed. So in the groups that we have, we're talking about, you know, the Q warrant, which we have to wait. I have to do this with the Secretary of State. I do not want to mess this up because then it will demoralize people. So I have to, and I'm working as fast as I can, but damn, are they milking it? But I was so pissed to see that, oh, we're having like a Patriot meeting. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But then you're bringing speakers on, right? And then you realize the person's doing this or have been, have ambitions to whatever. And it's like they're using your momentum to gain your nation back for that. I'm not against people going and meeting and talking and doing. But when you're going to go there and talk and complain, oh, DeWine such this. And you're not doing shit by just complaining and getting together and complaining together. You're supposed to be doing something. And so uh, working to do something, even if it's one letter, one email where you get together and you're like, guys, what can we do together? Hey, why don't we all chip in in our neighborhood and pay for this billboard that everybody watches? It's going to cost us each $2. There's 20 of us. Let's do it. Let's say no masks. We have the right to, if they decline it, it's like, I'm a paying client. I could put whatever I want. Like people can do something. And the thing is, is that you're still giving in to titles and tiaras. Titles and tiaras follow quiet people or people that they diminish. You know, I feel like I need to take a break. I'm saying if I walk away from not giving you the news for a week, you'll see how there will be no news. Now, that's cocky. But I'll make sure that all my other friends that are working also take a break. I think that's the best way to go. That I just disappear for a week. Nothing to say. No tweet, no telegram, no post, no show, no nothing. And then you can see the garbage they're going to be feeding you. The garbage. And you know, I gave you all these hokey pokey type tools these past two weeks to brace yourself. To brace yourself. And to also see how they're not coming up with anything. And they're kind of using hokey pokey too, but they're revamping it. <laughs> the point is, I can, I can show you that. I could take a week of sitting down and just doing the lawsuits and pushing ahead and going to Texas myself to see Paxton because he's actually very receptive. So that way you can see who's really understanding what's happening and who's pretending to with their smart ass posts or whatever. I'm saying this is how you can see it. I had a conversation with a friend while I was, you know, <laughs> this morning I was just, I, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. I do. It's like the only time that I spend with my daughter is when we're eating. And when we're eating, you know, I'm, I'm constantly being pinged. Like this morning I went um, to get prepared for my um, next scan and I was trying to find a place where I could get it done where they don't require me to wear a mask, right? And as I was sitting there, it was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> my phone was going off all morning. And I was standing there 
talking to the person. They were like, do you want to get that? Because all my phones were ringing. All of them. Yes, I have multiple ones. All of them were ringing, pinging, texting, calls. And they looked at me and I was just like, and they were like, don't you get anxious? I was like, yeah, I do. But it's going to have to wait because I need to get this done. I am constantly working, not just for the news. And I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for my kids, my kids' kids. And for those kids that don't have parents that are doing it because they're too mesmerized with whatever it is to get it done. And I think that's the way we should all feel. Yes, we want to smack all these millennial idiots. But you know what we need to be doing? We need to be driving in traffic with President Trump's inspirational speech, his speeches. Just have them hear it. And they're going to be, they're going to have to think it. So they could get angry, Ugh, Trump. But then they're going to be like, well, I haven't heard anything from Biden. I don't see Biden anywhere. You know, what Trump is saying doesn't sound so wrong. You know, and with the nice music in the background, damn, you be sure. That's how you subtly bring in to perspective what's up. And, you know, yes, I'm anxious when my phone rings and I don't pick it up because I'm like, oh my God, what if I missed the phone call, you know, or something like that. But it is what it is, right? It totally is what it is. I want to show you again, because I think a lot of people forget it. Because I heard a lot of people saying, well, no one got in contact with me. Look, I'm not even his constituent, okay? And I'm going to show you what he um, sent me. Step-by-step rules. So he called me Mr. Maris. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I don't know <laughs> why he said Mr. I guess maybe because it was so um, spot on. So that's the email that I got from him. I should read to you what I sent to him. Okay. I'll read it to you. Um, and then I'll read the response. So that way, uh, the people, um, who are listening to this on a podcast can hear it. So I sent him an email on the 12th of February and the response I received was on the 18th. So he responded to me within six days. And I said, Subject, concerns of national security and severe negligence. Dominion Enterprises was engaged to contract along with other companies to provide equipment for your state's elections. It seems that the Secretary of State had agreed that all but their source code, which is the software in question by myself, a casual cryptographer, I bring to question. The encryption decryption secret key used is a frog block cipher. It's which means that it does not merely encrypt, decrypt or interpret, but in essence, it takes direction from an algorithm within which gives instructions. In other words, the outcome of a tally is pre-programmed and or even accessible via a backdoor to run scripts to balance it. In other words, pre-programming the outcomes. This is observed by the results. Uh, during the 2020 elections, and the Secretary of State's failure to inspect it. Our elections are a matter of national security, and as an American citizen, I am afforded free, fair, and transparent elections. Transparency is the issue here. The Secretary of State had awarded Dominion Enterprises the ability, as with other companies, to be selected as election voting system. The process is as follows. One, response to RFP. 
that's a request for proposal. So that's where the state uh, guys puts out a notice saying, hey, we need election machines. And then all these manufacturers and companies are like, yo, we're bit of, you know, here's what we can offer. Right. So that's the first step Two, notice of intent to award. So then the state sends a letter and says, yo, I like what you have to say. I like the price, whatever. I'm intending to award this to you. Three, escrow contract. Four, final contract. Step three, escrow, escrow contract is the issue. The Secretary of State has engaged in an escrow company with an escrow company called NCC Group. That means that NCC Group inspects and provides a report. The state officials are then presented with a report, and the EAC certified vendors that certify the software inspect everything but the source code and accept the NCC Group's determination report without examining it. NCC Group is a British company with rep offices around the world. NCC Group's board of directors is comprised of former foreign intelligence, former former Foreign government servants such as GCHQ, MI6, German intelligence, Canadian intelligence, cyber intelligence of UAE, to name a few. Their U.S. office is claiming residence in the state of California. Aside from the foreign nation's concern inspecting and verifying the source code, NCC Group inspecting Dominion Enterprises is also a conflict of interest. In 2016, Dominion Enterprises announced a partnership with NCC Group. The partnership contract between them is worth billions. In other words, NCC Group, a foreign entity, is a partner with Dominion Enterprises and therefore should be disqualified to the specific request of prohibiting examination of their source code. Also, the Secretary of State has failed to make available to the public the escrow contract, which is not permitted under the state's laws. Citizens have the right to examine all agreements the state enters into on their behalf. I respectfully request your response to these facts and concerns. Our vote is our voice, and our elections are a matter of national security. It is evident that our elections, based on facts, were not transparent as no one is allowed to inspect the source code. And there is severe negligence on behalf of the board of directors of the state to ensure that there were no foreign interests influence, or opportunity to corrupt the process of our elections and alter the outcome. One discrepancy is one too many. Based on these facts, the elections held in 2020 are considered insufficient and warrant a new, fair, free, and transparent election as our Constitution ensures us. I look forward to your response. And then I got the response that you see on your screen, which was a walkthrough. He said, thank you for your recent email. We appreciate your contacting the Office of the Attorney General and making us aware of your concerns. I have forwarded your message to the appropriate staff for review. Please understand the role of this office is to advise and represent state entities and interests as specified in the Texas Government Code. Under Texas law, the Office of the Attorney General is prohibited from providing legal advice, analysis, or representation to private individuals. However, I hope the following information is helpful. The Texas Secretary of State Elections Division maintains the uniform application of the Texas Election Code. The Secretary of State provides detailed information on voting and elections in Texas, including the photo identification law, 
what kind of identification is required to vote in person, rights as a registered voter, and how to report alleged election fraud or voting rights abuse. You can access the Secretary of State's resource for voter and election information on in the page or calling blah, blah, blah. Should the Secretary of State refer the matter to the Office of the Attorney General for Enforcement, we will assess the specific legal issues to determine the most appropriate course of action because our office relies on the technical expertise of the Secretary of State regarding Texas election laws. We encourage you to provide information regarding possible election violations directly to the Secretary of State as follows. And they gave me every bit of information encouraging me to reach out to them. So in addition, Texas law provides for the county or district attorney to have original jurisdiction to pursue possible violations of laws. These prosecutors are granted extensive discretion in determining which cases will be prosecuted and how those cases will proceed before a grand jury. Again, thank you for writing. Please feel free to contact the Office of the Attorney General if we may be a further assistant. What? So he, they just gave me a walkthrough. This is the process, ma'am. And don't forget, you also have access to your district attorneys, right, in your county. So therefore, where are my Texas peeps, right? Where are my Texas peeps who can take my letter, which is in a Dropbox that I've said, you can't claim you're a cryptographer, but you can say, I know of a cryptographer that has published about this and had <coughs> filed with the, you know, cases, right? I was witness. You could say that, you know, I was one of the exhibits in Sidney Powell's case. Um, and then just copy and paste it and send it. Your, your county had dominion. Get in touch with your district attorney. Send it to them. I'm not a constituent of Texas. I can't do this. I've done that. So I've left it there since the 18th of February where I told you guys I got this email to have you guys take charge. And some people got it. Some people didn't. They're like, I'm sending an email. He just said, this is how you get it done. You put it together like this. You can send an email to this. And I, you know, I encourage you to do that, which is a nice way of saying this is what you got to do. And then you, if your county had dominion, you get with your district attorney and you send them because he just said they have original jurisdiction. Like, come on, guys. It's been a month. I gave you time to see it. And, and you know, you could have been like, well, we could have done it earlier if you would have said it like that. No. This is where you need to see where you're not doing the work. And, 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 and it's not to, 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 you know, fault you. Don't get me wrong. I have to show you. I can't tell you. I have to show you. And that's the thing. I had this on my show. I talked about it. I put it in the Dropbox. His response, my letter, the thing. Obviously, you can't say you're a cryptographer. You can change the verbiage a little bit. But everything else can stay the same. With the escrow contract on point, you can change the introduction blurb. By you're, you know, you're not a casual cryptographer, but you could say uh, a known, um, you know, or not known or a cryptographer or many cryptographers have written about these, by the way. So that's true. You can put that forward. And, and this is all you have to do. 
So in the Texas group, I think they do have that letter. And I remember them saying, well, I can't say I'm a cryptographer because I'm not. All you have to do is copy and paste it. You're going to send it to your secretary of state. And then if in your county you have Dominion machines, this is where you get in touch with your district attorney and say, you know, say something to the effect like uh, you are the district attorney for my county and you have original jurisdiction to pursue possible violations of the law. And I am bringing this to your attention. And then you can copy and paste the whole thing, stick it in there, make sure it sounds like you, that it's not me talking, not, not like the words. You can leave everything like in the way I explained it of the process of voting and what happened and this, you know, problem and you send it, but make sure you send it to the secretary of state because those were the instructions. Your secretary of state, you're a constituent, you send it off to them. And I would highly recommend, highly recommend to email it. Um, and uh, also to mail it. I know it's a stamp though. Come on guys. We send each other letters. It's one stamp. Print that bitch out. Put it in a mail, in a letter and off it goes. And if you want to be extra diligent, certify that shit. That way you have a copy. That's it. See, this can be done. You've got an attorney general that's working and a governor that doesn't want to. <laughs> he's kind of want to, but he doesn't want to because he's own kind of want to. But um, we have stories about the governor, but we're not going to go into that. See, these are the things you can do. I, you can be like, why'd you go to Texas? I mean, I told you Lone Star said that a long time ago. Three years ago, I said, you know, you should be paying attention to the state's flags always. They tell you everything you need. Uh, so, you know, we have one that looks like a C for Constitution. We have one that's a Lone Star, which will be the brightest freaking star in America right now. And then we have the one that's going to try to usurp our government, which has the symbol that almost looks like that of the presidency. This is where we need to be paying attention. So um, I hope, uh, you know, you you take this not as like, oh, you guys haven't done anything. But, you know, I hope you take this in, in, in a way of understanding, right? I didn't say anything. I should have waited till the 18th. I wanted a whole month, you know, give the whole 30-day thing. But... I am watching all these texts and, you know, going through and people like posting shit from other people in my channel. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Like these people are losers. You know, they don't say anything original. They need other people. Right. And it's okay to parrot the news because some people are funny. Like, damn, I watched that Bob Ross guy yesterday. Like I watched like three of his videos while I was writing up paperwork. I kid you not. Like I couldn't stop. He was so addictive, right? The way he says weird and poses his mouth. So <laughs> some people just deliver the con same content different ways. And I love it. <sighs> but what you need to realize is they're all against you, both on the left and the right. The people that are with us are the people. And as long as these people are sponsored, funded, pooling their money together, doing something, and they're all worried about this, 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 Right. I, I, I really don't give a shit about the money, honestly. And that's why it struck me like crazy when I saw I could buy a car because I'm not doing this for that. I, it'll come. He's never God has never let me without food in my belly, without a roof over my head. Right. He's never left me um, hanging. So he's never left me hanging. And if you believe that he will never let you hang when you're doing something good, damn. Does that shit work?
name. And even with these lawsuits, I was thinking in the back of my mind, damn, how am I going to do this? I called around attorneys. Um, and then I just said, you know what? I'm going to save up. When I get paid, I get paid every 1st and 15th, right? And I was like, because I have a project that's in the works that I can't talk about. Because I don't want to be 404. Um, you know, that's that's really taking a lot of my... I'll just leave it at that. Let's just leave it. <clears throat> so, going back to it. I, I I thought of that. And look at that. Not only do I get a car, but I get actual lawyer fees. Because I was like banking on paralegal fees. I was actually thinking of going to Case Western and hooking up with one of those, you know, law students. Be like, yo, you want to like fix this for me and make it really hot? And I'd, and I'd go to the Republican one and, and find them. <laughs> <laughs> and find them. I, I yeah, why not, right? Um and and get it done, but now I can actually get an attorney that I know is awesome. Um he's actually gone head to head with the government a lot of times. He's gone head to head with the wine too. So I'm really excited about that. Um so again, thank you because I mean, it's it's us. We're we're all doing this. So that's what's so cool. Um but see like this Texas thing, it's not my state. I don't have a lot. But I was actually thinking of going down to Texas um, if I can get an audience with someone that I'm trying to get an audience with. Uh, so that way uh, we can, you know, get this done a little bit faster. Um, a little bit. I also want to see an, a, a group of white hats that, that hang out there too. But um, again, we need to be doing things. And we need to be having conversations about actual things that are happening. So now, in March, if you remember, Millie Weaver and I did that thing where I had like this paint mask on my head and it had left like suctions on my forehead for like forever. And, you know, obviously Gavin had it at the worst angle ever for me. We were wearing gloves and we had toilet paper and we were talking about this pandemic and this pandemic. And weeks before you were even shut down or were hearing about masks, I told you about hydroxychloroquine in a way of saying, hey, this kind of behaves like malaria and AIDS, you know, there's like medicine for that. And that was way before anybody was talking about it, which was great because I know who trolls, you know, my stuff, right, and listens, and that's fine. I'm totally fine because I don't have the reach other people have. But someone wanted to, you know, really thump up, so they were talking with researchers, and that's great. That's fine. That's totally fine. But they started to talk about um, HCQ. And that was a good thing. That was a that was a that was a really good thing. But one thing that we did tell you with Millie was, um, you know, about real ID, about um, vaccinations and health cards and what's coming. And um, you know, people kind of just saw it as ha ha ha. And you know, this was real stuff because this happens. And you have to think to yourself. The Democrats have told you that people are too stupid to get IDs or unable or so in poverty that they can't get an identification. So, uh, you know, they can vote without ID. But now they want them to present ID in order to get vaccinated. And your vaccine will also provide you an identification. This is a really big problem, right? Um, 
again, I, like I stumbled upon a restaurant and I uh, put it in Telegram and I've tried to contact them. They took down their contact info. I'm going to first contact them because I wrote a little draft article so we can make that shit go viral. How um, they're demanding people to violate their own health privacy uh, to be able to sit down and dine. Now, you might say that's a private company can do what it wants, but it can't ask you to violate your own rights. So um, this is this is terrifying because what I'm going to tell you is, remember how I showed you at the beginning of the show today how Biden is not allowing you to have comments or have discussions on his platforms. Therefore, that sets an example for other companies. Well, which company or which facet in what industry can demand it from you? The airlines. The airlines can demand that they see your rights. And remember what I had said about Obamacare. I'm going to wait a second while I take this off the screen and get you down a history lesson. I want you to remember what had I said about that before. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember? Let's see. Yeah, I'm not getting in the car for a couple weeks. Um, what had I said? Let me see. Man, all the comments are not about this. Wait, or am I just too far back? <sighs> Everyone's talking about other things. So about Obamacare, okay, so no one's... <laughs> the biggest problem with Obamacare for me, because I worked on the Obamacare Act, remember? I worked on that uh, Affordable Care Act. And I've said this over the past year many times. The problem that I had for it is why is it that car insurance companies, right? Why is it that car insurance companies and all these other entities, right, have access to my health information? Why is it that car insurance has access to it? Why is it that, you know, dental insurance, obviously, okay, so their health, whatever. Why is it that my bank has access to it? Why is it that all these random companies have access to my information, my health records. And, you know, they were really pushing to get it in the AER. Um, so why is it? Because as I said, soon they won't give you health, they won't give you car insurance if you're diabetic, because if you travel outside of the state, that could be a liability. And I said that many, many times. My problem was that they were giving unfettered access to your health. So HIPAA has been out the fucking window for a while. You're just thinking it isn't. How many times have I also said when you go to the doctor or the hospital and they give you the privacy notice, right? You have to write down, do not consent, only consent to treat, not anything else, and then sign it, right? That is what you have to do. Do not sign it. You say, did not read, do not consent to anything but treatment. Because in there, in that fine print, that booklet, Right? Oh, it's just to treat you. To treat you, they take your DNA and they're allowed to share it with their partners. And your DNA can stay stored for seven years. On top of that, the video and audio in your room, pictures of cameras of you can be stored. If you actually read every clinics and every hospitals, little, little thing, you will see that they're putting you on a database and they're sharing it with whoever they think is fit. So again, HIPAA does not exist. And we have the illusion that it exists. This is why I keep saying, oh, you're not really free. You're just free on paper. And that's the Constitution. Nothing else. Everything else has sold out your freedom. So the next 
question is, how do they convince you that you have no way out and you must get this vaccine? Well, it has to start with an industry that is a super spreading industry, and that's the fucking airlines. And this is why I said emoluments clause. We're going to leave it at that so that you understand it, because this is what's coming. And I told you about it over two weeks ago. I also told you who's running it, and that's how they're going to do it. Because if the airline industry can do it, so can Walmart, so can you know Costco, so can a restaurant, so can a bus, so can your job, because they say no vaccination, you're not flying, period. So you've got until May fucking 1st. That is your deadline to make sure that this is changed. This is what they said. They drew the line. And then remember, what did Biden say in his, well, <laughs> I take that back. What did the AI that pretended was Biden say in the speech? Well, and then at that point, we'll tell you what you can and can't do. I'm an American. Nobody tells me what to do. I do what I want. End of story. I do what I want. You don't tell me what I can and cannot do. Oh, we're going to make sure that every eligible adult with ID, (laughs) so they know. Mm -hmm. So you've got very limited time to get this done. And while you sit there on your hands and panic and listen to clowns from England that tell you that they know everything, or you watch HBO documentaries with losers that flipped you know, that's where, you know, you lose the plot. You need to stay focused. And I'm here to keep you focused, no matter how much I want to be absent for a while, just so that I can see the rest of them panic. I won't do it. HBO has pissed me off a lot. Like, and people that you believe, you know, you always believe the best in people first. And, you know, I I actually had this conversation with my daughter yesterday. She's like, why do you do that to yourself? You know, why do you trust me? I mean, you were betrayed by, you know, someone really bad. And, you know, and, and she feels bad about that. And I was just like, she's like, but why did you trust all these other people? You know, these people, they're supposedly heads and faces of things. And it's because you believe that people are good. You believe that no matter how evil or tempted they are, they will always choose the warm embrace of love, unconditional love, you know, and and just being excited for helping other people. You want to think that everyone is excited about helping others, that everyone loves one another. If you don't believe that, then then it's gone. And even though I get disappointed when people disappoint me, right, when they don't, value my friendship or they don't value the responsibility that I've put in their hands in good faith. You know, it's not like I pity them. It's just, I have to understand that, you know, some people don't have the capacity for that good yet because they can't hear it and they can't see it. I know it sounds super dumb. And that was a conversation that I was having with my daughter and I was telling her, you know, you of all has, been completely betrayed and I get why you're so hardened, but it's very important that, um, we have faith in people, even though I don't like people. And it's those people that betray you that lose, not you. Okay. Those people that betray people for the dollar that betray people 
for whatever. And some of them just betray because they don't even know that they're betraying. I mean, what if someone, you know, what if I came out and told you that I was Dr. Seuss, right? And that that Dr. Seuss was pretending and I was more credible because I don't know, maybe I'm an agency like the DIA or the DOD. And I was like, yo, not that guy. It's me. And you're like, yo, that's the DIA and the DOD. Maybe they're for real. Maybe it is them. So maybe the DOD and the DIA did really write it. Okay. Then I agree. Again, you know, that could be a problem, right? Real Dr. Seuss is, is, is not, you know, being acknowledged, but the agency that said that they were the real Dr. Seuss because they knew that the real, real Dr. Seuss wouldn't come out is, you know, coaxed. I'm just saying. And it's like a hot mess that made absolutely no sense. It totally made sense to me. Maybe one day in the future, it will make sense to you. Now, um, I want you to remember that the media plays a huge role. Alternative media plays a huge role. And um, conversations and public discourse play a huge role. I found this uh, incredible clip about the for- forgotten army that almost stopped communism in Russia. You never hear about them. And obviously, uh, they're called something racist, the white army, but it's not because they're white in skin, but they were white as in clean, okay? Like meaning uh, pure light, pureness. I just wanted to make that clear. It was a version of white in Russian, not that you're white skinned, okay? White army is not white skinned. It means one of peace, one of love, one of light, one of good, okay? So I want you um, to listen to this. It's quite fascinating. I haven't read up on the Russian Revolution and Russian Civil War. You may not have heard of the White Movement and White Army, nor the Russian Liberation Army. Basically, the White Movement and its combined arms, known as the White Army, stood in opposition to the Bolsheviks in the Revolution and Civil War. And after the Bolsheviks took root and established the Soviet Union, many former members of the White Movement and Army formed smaller anti-Soviet organizations, such as the Liberation Army. Along with many other anti-Soviet forces, the Liberation Army force fought against the USSR in the Second World War, mostly under Nazi flags. In this video, we'll discuss this in greater detail. So before we discuss the whites, just what was this revolution? The Russian Revolution was a period of social and political upheaval in what was then the Russian Empire, and the Russian Civil War was the violent conflict which ensued. In 1917, the final year of the Great War, two marked revolutions occurred, one in February and the other in October. In the February Revolution, Russians massed in the capital city Petrograd, now St. Petersburg, and protected the Russian monarchy, inciting Tsar Nicholas II to abdicate and ending the Romanov dynasty and Russian Empire. In the monarch's place, a provisional government was established. As this government favored aristocracy and capitalism, the soldiers and working class weren't satisfied and they stirred unrest in a network of socialist political organizations known as Soviets. One of such organizations were the Bolsheviks, which was spearheaded by Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov or Lenin, 
a revolutionist who fought to pull Russia out of the Great War. After the provisional government chose to keep fighting the war against Lenin's behest, the Bolsheviks transformed their workers' militias into a paramilitary volunteer force known as the Red Guards and later the Red Army. And in October 1917, they overthrew the provisional government and pulled Russia out of World War I with the signing of the Russo-German Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. The Bolsheviks enforced their rule with violence, and this incited counter-revolutionary organizations to step up. There were many such organizations, each with varying political stances. Some favored monarchism, others republicanism, liberalism, capitalism, alternative forms of socialism, and a range of other isms. But most of them fed into the stream of the Big Tent White Movement and its army, which was reinforced by Bolshevik-fearing foreign nations including the Allied forces of the now-ended Great War. The civil war which ensued resulted in the defeat of the Whites by the Reds and the maturation of Bolshevism in the form of the Soviet Union. And by 1923, between 7 and 12 million people had become casualties of this devastating revolution. So who exactly were the Whites? What did they want and what happened to them? Well, it's important to understand that the white movement was first and foremost a political movement without unified leadership. Basically, anyone who wanted to shut down Soviet and Bolshevik organizations and return some semblance of order to Russia was for the whites. But this doesn't mean to say that the whites were leaderless and entirely scattered. Each of its constituent political organizations Wait, had its own I wanted to leadership. show you something. Corpor- Something that, that, that is a constant um, in many. Do you see that picture? Who's that? That's uh, Goddess Columbia. That's Lady Liberty. It seems like Lady Liberty appears in all great revolutions where they're trying to fight oppressions. Do you see her chains broken and spreading her arms? Seems like she's always everywhere. Each of its constituent political organizations had its own form of leadership, cooperating with one another and foreign nations to varying degrees. And leadership within the white movement's various forces was often assumed by former military personnel and, thus, reasonably strong. Its major military forces were the Volunteer Army and the Siberian Army. Though other forces, such as the Northern Army and the Northwestern Army, the West Russian Volunteer Army, and the People's Army of Komuch, also fought under the loose banner of the White Army in the various fronts of the Russian Civil War. Alliances and leadership changed a fair bit, but in September 1918, after Minister of War Alexander Kolchak was proclaimed the supreme ruler of Russia, most white army forces united as the Russian army. Unfortunately, this new army was relatively short-lived. The ASFR, the Russian army's largest constituent, was defeated on the southern front between 1920 and 1922. The white army in Siberia suffered a similar fate with Supreme Ruler Kolchak ultimately getting arrested and shot. But these defeats, the dissolution of the Russian army and the whites lost in the civil war, were sort of preordained. Unlike their Red Army counterparts, they didn't share one single ideology nor goal, and unification under the late Supreme Leader was not enough. At its peak in June 1919, it's estimated that the White Army boasted some 680,000 combat personnel. But what happened to the remnant organizations of the white movement after they were defeated and the Bolsheviks established the Soviet Union? Well, there were hundreds of thousands of them, millions, 
and many fled Russia and congregated elsewhere in the continent, such as Yugoslavia, Turkey, China, Germany, and France, where new anti-Bolshevik and, more broadly, anti-communist organizations and networks were formed. Some of these military organizations, such as the Russian All-Military Union, the Brotherhood of Russian Truth, and the National Alliance of Russian Soldierists, harried the Soviet Union with guerrilla warfare to little effect. But some more military-minded organizations actually established cadet corps and such to prepare for a larger-scale assault, a proper military campaign. With that said, some of the whites sort of looked at the bright side of the revolution, establishing movements and organizations such as Eurasianism, Smenovsky, and the Union of Lederosi, the latter being a group which sought a hybrid system of government, somewhere between a Tsar monarchy and the Soviet Union. But as we said at the start, there were those who fought the USSR under Nazi flags during the Second World War. Some of these people were the volunteers of the Russian Liberation Army. Funnily enough, the Russian Liberation Army, or ROA, was led by a defected Red Army general by the name of Andrei Vlasov, with the force often referred to as the Vlasov Army. While it served the Germans prior to 1944, it wasn't until late that year until it became an official organization, representing the military army of the Committee for the Liberation of the Peoples of Russia, or KONR which was compromised of anti-Soviet Nazi collaborators from the states now melded into the USSR. Not all of these people were ex-whites, however. The majority of them were Soviet POWs who joined the army to avoid rotting in German camps. Obviously, the Germans could only trust them so much, so at the start, they were deployed in small units tasked with fighting Soviet partisans and given support duties, such as driving vehicles or removing the wounded from the battlefield. By early 1945, however, the ROA earned some trust, and it was soon under the direct command of the KONR. Of note, some ROA soldiers fought the Red Army by Europe's Oder River on April 1945, but they were ultimately forced to retreat. Then things went south for Germany, and Vlasov was looking to surrender the ROA to the Allies instead of the Red Army. While a division of the ROA was marching towards said surrender, they stopped at Prague and helped Czech partisans fight off their German occupiers. The ROA fought Waffen-SS units in the city alongside the partisans, saving Prague from utter destruction. And after this, Vlasov finally got them to the Allies, only to be met by US General Patton, who accepted their surrender, but handed them over to the Soviets anyway. Many members of the ROA, including Vlasov, were executed as traitors back in Russia. Now, the Russian Liberation Army was but one of many anti-Soviet forces which fought alongside Germany against the USSR in World War II. Indeed, there was an entire Russian liberation movement whose numbers were attributed to by many ex-whites. The liberation movement, like the white movement before it, was a loose collective and the closest it came to former unification was the aforementioned Committee for the Liberation of the Peoples of Russia, or KONR. With that said, around 1 million people from the states consumed by the USSR followed the movement, fighting alongside the Germans in auxiliary volunteer units known as the Hilfsvilliger or HIVI. While some 50,000 ended up under the banner of Lasov and his Liberation Army, the majority ended up in forces scattered throughout Europe, with the 1st Russian National Army, the Russian Protective Corps, 
and the Russian National Liberation Army, or SS Sturmbrigada Rona, being among the more organized of these forces. One of the few anti-Soviet organizations which didn't seek German sponsorship was the aforementioned National Alliance of Russian Soldarists, or NTS. When deciding with whom they would side, the NTS's leader, Sergei Badalakov, said, not with Stalin, not with foreign conquerors, but with the entire Russian people. The NTS, conceived by white movement veterans from the early 1920s, persisted as an underground revolutionary movement until the fall of the USSR in 1991. Overall, both the white movement and the Russian liberation movement were loose movements toward a plethora of similar but by no means identical goals, and without unified, clear goals, they were both predestined to fail. With that said, the Soviet Union ultimately did dissolve, and at least some of the ideologies for which these movements stood, and some of their constituent organizations, such as the NTS, contributed to said dissolution to some degree. Though, as per usual guys, I want to know what you think. Had you heard about the White Army before this video? Did you know about all the different factions of the White Army and how disorganized it was? And which faction of the White Army would you most agree with? Let us know all of this in the comment section below. Okay, so that comment was funny. Actually, that was super funny. So a lot of people didn't know that there were a, a lot of uh, Russians that were opposing communism. And it just so happened that there were Turkish people that were opposing it. There were Chinese people that were opposing it. And we helped create it. The nation did. Because as I've said before, as the woman stood there, with the Declaration of Independence in her hand, taking it to the printing press, before the ink was dry, they had already planned on how to dominate the world and get it executed correctly. Not by kings, not by queens, not by Caesars, not by Sars, but with voluntary communism. And this is what we have done. Ever question? Why is the United States always leading? Because they let us run free. They saw how prosperous and how quickly people advance when there is freedom. They saw that if you give a man free land, they will prosper like no other and they will produce because they get excited. It's my farm. I'm going to create this. It's my basement. I'm going to create this. It's my room. I'm going to create this, right? Innovation comes uh, from the ability to let yourself be free and be able to think and, and thrive, right? But that's enough. Now that we have dominated the world, wanting our movies, our music, our tech, our innovation, now it stops. Now we know how to innovate. This is how we do it. And so that's what happened. And this is where you are. You are in a totalitarian regime. You had a person take office where they had to acknowledge it because they couldn't even believe that she lost. And he showed you all the beauty that you can have with an independent strong and prosperous nation and then they took it away and he let them take it away because kind of like this he said words he did things and 
you know, no one really acted on it. Kind of like the example of me. I reached out to the attorney general. He responded. I showed you the steps. Did anyone do it? Did anyone actually take it and say, wait a minute, okay, first step is I got to tell the states, uh, the secretary of state. Second step is, okay, in my county, did they use Dominion? All right, let me get with my district attorney. I want to take a case. I want them to investigate. I'm filing a complaint. I'm sure that there's 10 Texans in one county that are talking somewhere on Telegram. They could say, how about all 10 of us file the same complaint at the same time? So if it's an identical complaint, he's going to have to see it. I mean, it's not just a one-off. Oh, we were so busy. Well, let's be busy with 20 identical complaints to one U.S district attorney in that county. He can't ignore all 10, all 20, all 30, all 40. The bigger, the better. The larger the volume, the more it is seen. See, you can only be given a shovel. If you want to make a mountain, God might just give you a shovel and say, start making it. That's the thing. Your secretary of state and your district attorney. If your district attorney isn't it doesn't have jurisdiction because you had no dominion it doesn't matter esns same process got it same process so in that letter you could say because this is seen in dominion the same process is happening with ens and i'd like that investigated too because we're not targeting just the software we're targeting the process the process of having a, na- a company that's foreign-owned run by foreign intelligence that is also a partner with Dominion, which is conflict of interest and foreign interest. And in the case of ESNS, it's a foreign company taking on the source code. I mean, come on, look into it. And I want a response. You don't just give it to them. You're like, I'll, I'll be anticipating your response. That's how we do it. So this is it. You need to take control. How are you, you going to self-govern and be free if you're not willing to do the work? And it's simple work. It's ready for you. All you have to do is this. And that's what the president did for three years. He showed you the ugly face of the media. He said, stop watching them. He showed you the ugly face of these investigations. He said, pay attention. He showed you all this. And he's like, if they're doing it to me, they'll do it to you. And, you know, obviously I said the same thing to, to my audience. If they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. And five years later, people realize that the attorney general of North Dakota can just investigate anything they want about them because he feels like it five years later. Right. But I was saying, and yeah, that's crazy. That doesn't happen. Well, look what happened to Donald Trump. Look what happened to Tory Maris. Same shit. Different people. There's tons of other people that have had this, you know, happen to them before. And the thing is, Red October, ha, this is going to be the craziest October you've ever seen. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that my child was like, I don't want a sweet 16. I want a sweet 21. So, because <laughs> it's going to be cray cray. It's going to be very cray cray. So what do you have? You have time up to May 1st to make sure that your states do not mandate vaccinations. And if any company within your state, either that be for employment or enjoyment, forces you to have a vaccine within your state to enjoy their services or to be able to work, you need to bring it down as discrimination. You have to do that. I, I'm, I'm one person. Well, we're a little bit less than 10 people. Still not in every state, okay? You have to do it. You have to grab them and say, do this. Because right now, that's what's happening. What's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks is going to be insane. 
So all this hokey pokey stuff that some of you are like, oh my gosh, can't believe you brought up the Book of Thomas. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You should be paying attention to a few things that are in things that people don't want you to look at. I had someone email me, your church even says it's, yeah, of course they did. So does the Vatican. And we're not allowed to see scrolls either. I got to see them because like I said, and I'm not just saying it, I have very influential religious leaders at my reach. And I took well advantage of that to knowledge my ass up. I've been to those places where you got to wear gloves and you're in like some special room to read shit because I took advantage of that because I wanted to know. I wanted to learn. I wanted to have control. And I want you to know that this is exactly why this is a problem for every single person. Okay. Every single person in any sort of leadership, they have a problem when they have no control. If they cannot control you, you are dangerous. If they cannot control every facet of you, you are dangerous. Remember when I took you down that trip of uh, astral projection or whatever? It's, it's different. You know, they give him all these names that are so out there and they're not even named like that. Ah, oh, it gets me so aggravated, you know, so aggravated. They give all these hokey titles like calling your kid moon. But, you know, that's dangerous to them. If you remember, they were terrified because not only did one of them be able to describe where the nukes are, but they were able to go to the subfloor and look into files. And how did they look into files? That means that they understood how dangerous something like that could be. Could you imagine if it was someone that could actually listen to Adam Schiff and his skiff talking and see everything they're doing and know how they're wiretapping the White House? That's dangerous because a person like that, they could do anything. They could go into a bank and empty it out. They could set off a nuclear war in a heartbeat. And you would never, ever, ever be able to trace it back to them because it was done in a way that you can't see. So that means that they're dangerous. And why are they dangerous? Because they just assume that people that are able to do extraordinary things will be doing extraordinary things to benefit themselves. I mean, even in tales of witchcraft and, you know, hokey pokey fairies and all that stuff, you know, what, what is always the thing that the, 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 what was it that show charmed, right? What did they say? You don't do magic to benefit yourself because then it doesn't work out for you, right? And that's actually true. I mean, think about it. If you had a superpower, a lot of you, right? What if you had the superpower, right, to be able to see the future? You'd be like, damn, I would totally predict the lottery numbers and I would totally be able to predict the stock market and I would totally be able to do all this stuff. I would write books. I would be this. I would be that, right? Or if I was invisible, I'd walk through like a safe of the Bank of New York and just walk out with everything. Or I'd actually sneak behind the desk and just transfer me a shit ton of money from some fund that is owned by the Democrats and tough noogies. I didn't do it. Somebody else did. And I'm going to put it into this, this, you know, that's something you can do. It's temptation, right? 
So in essence, when someone sees someone that is extraordinary, they fear them. Why? Because they see in them what they might do with what they have. It's kind of like, you know, someone that's really good at like um, hypnotizing someone with just like, look, I'm doing all these snappy fingers and you and you hypnotize right, and you pass out, right? You're just like done. You'd be scared of someone like that because you're like, dude, if I had that power, I would totally put everyone to sleep and I totally do this or I totally do that. It's really scary, right? When you believe, if you know that you're capable of doing something bad, in essence, that person that has that power over you, that is, that has that superpower is now an enemy because they can do it. It's kind of like why they would hate Superman or the Hulk, because they can smash things, x-ray vision, burn things with their eyes and fly. They are not control. You can't control that. So this is why you want to kill it or suffocate it. And no matter how much someone has control, right? Humans have the ability to overstep that because of that innate sin. Right? It takes great control to not feed into that power, to, to feel you know, that satisfaction of, oh man, I just like duped a whole country and I just did that myself, by myself. Makes you feel really powerful. Don't look, that guy's a king and he's got everything and I've totally duped them. Totally huge. Oh look, I just to- totally duped the whole world thinking I went there when I really went there. Totally drunk on power. Right? And that's the thing. That is the thing. They see in people that may be extraordinary the things that they may be capable of doing. And doing things underhandedly never, never turns out right. If you are, you know, like Superman, right? Like, you know, he was like Clark Kent, right? He was doing a job and he would only use his powers and just totally be humble about it. He's like, yeah, you know, because then people want to take advantage of him or, you know, try to weaponize him or do something. That's what I'm saying. People fear the inability to control things regardless. So if you can't control someone, that's a problem for you. If you can't control a population, that's a problem for you. So when people figure out, collectively, how strong they are, that's a problem for the people that aren't there to serve you, but are there to dominate you. And one thing that I noticed is that the attorney general of Texas is actually a servant. He is serving the people because there are people that are talking to him and telling him all these things. That's something you need to pay attention to. Who is using their power, their position, their office, their superpowers, to help. Rather than think, what's the motivation? Take them to face value and say, all right, let's pretend there's no motivation and it's purely done out of goodness. Shit changes so quick when you do that. It's incredible. The worst thing that can happen is that you get duped. And that's in everything in life, guys. In life, you, there's, two, there's two things that happen when you trust someone. It works out perfect or you get duped. But if you don't trust them in the first place, then you'll never know. That's the way it is. You will never know. Now, I hate the word 
And I don't like the word hate either. I loathe the word trust. And when people say, trust me, um, I think trust should be a hundred percent always. I think that was the best lesson my father ever gave me. Start everyone at a hundred percent. It's their job to keep themselves there. You know, um, and I'm not one for chances. I see a red flag. It's over. It's like, cut the cord. And I do that and people are like, that's crazy. And it's like, no, that's what I do. Because when I see disloyalty in one certain, you don't even have to be disloyal to me. If I see that you were disloyal or backstabbing to someone that you knew for so many years, I snip you faster than it is. Because when I, when I see it, not heard about it when I see it, right? And that's where it is. Uh, so trust should be 100%. No, trust is 100%. You don't need to verify anything, nothing. You should take people at their face value. Almost instantly, within a second, they'll tell you who they are. And like I said before, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. On that note, enjoy the land of confusion uh, that is upon us. And this weekend, we're doing movie night. And Saturday, uh, it's like super busy for me. Cause I'm going to catch up on things like I've been meaning to go grocery shopping for two weeks. That's how bad it is. Um, cause I've had like literally no time. So I'm going to try to stay away on Saturday, but you know, if I find five, you know, like an hour or whatever, where I'm just like, all right, I'm done with paperwork. Maybe I can do some stereo. Gavin's really busy with the quicks device. Cause he's getting the dongle. <laughs> I can't stay it with a straight face. So he can't, because <laughs> of time zones and stuff. Oh my gosh, cucks and dongle. Oh, he's going to hate me for this. But that's all right. So um, I'll try to do some stereo tomorrow at some point. Um, we will do movie night on Sunday. And I'm going to figure out Trovo because apparently I can raid on there too. So then we could raid from there too. And another thing, I will be streaming to DLive as well. Why? Because DLive sent me in an I'm sorry letter. So um, I know a lot of people like DLive and they sent me an I'm sorry letter. And I was like, all right, then don't let it happen again. So um, I think that's what they said. Or uh, did they not? I thought they did. I thought they said, I'm sorry. I guess they didn't. Okay, that was my bad. So now I'm not going to stream on DLive anymore. <laughs> I thought they did. I could have sworn they did. But anyway, regardless, guys, God bless. Have a wonderful weekend. Movie night on Sunday. Um, you know, I really wish we could watch Franklin together, but you have to have like Prime and IMBD uh, to watch it free with ads or something. And I can't. Um, I can't. Like, I want to watch stuff with you guys and I can't because they will knock you off the platform. That's why you have to be an Amazon Prime member. Um uh, to watch it. It's not my choice. I'm not excluding people. Oh, we have to be a member. No, you have to be a prime member. And, um, you know, for those of you that have Amazon prime anyway, you just connect it with your Twitch and we can watch a movie together. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, where God will lead me on that because I have a few ideas, but damn, it's always last minute. And for those of you out there that can watch Franklin with a Y, I really want to know what you thought about it. Like in the Telegram group, tell me. I saw someone say, damn, that movie just blew my mind. I'm telling you, like that movie, I put it on to fall asleep. And then after it was over, I kind of was thinking about it. And I was like, what the heck did I just watch? 
So um, Franklin, for me, was like, you know, you don't see movies like that. That I mean, that was like t- 2013, right? So we're going back like eight years, and I still remember its effect on me, right? I remember sitting in sitting at the edge of my, like I sat up on my bed when I should be sleeping. And I was like, uh, damn. So it was pretty good on that note. God bless everyone. Uh, for those of you that are on Twitch, we're going to be rating, uh, for those of you that are also Twitch prime members, Sunday night, we'll have our movie night and then I'll try to do a stereo tomorrow. God bless all of you. Stay frosty. Must have dreamed a thousand dreams Haunted by a million screams But I can hear them marching They're moving into the street Did you read the news today? Say the danger's gone away See the fires They're burning into the night There's so many men Too many people Making too many problems